Praise the name of Jesus. Thank you. Oh, praise God. God is just wonderful. I've, as you can see, I've been enjoying his presence. I've been enjoying uh, what he has revealed. And uh, I think I'll put this away. Probably won't need it. But here. Excuse me. Oh, God is just wonderful. So I greet you in the precious name of Jesus. And uh, I am... Um, as, as I, I gave uh, uh, people who were last week or online some homework, and I won't test as uh, uh, Brother Todd said, test you on something that uh, I will know whether you've done your homework or not. <laughs> and yeah, I've gone to the test that uh, the pastor, so many failed. <laughs> but we thank God, we glorify God. Okay, the, this is, uh, we did the introduction um, last week, and it was, the topic was crumbs that fall from our table. Now, I, I, I started to compare and contrast, and we were looking at Luke 16, verse 19. So we just look at that. And um, interestingly enough, uh, I've, Look back just to make sure, and there's some things that I perhaps didn't emphasize, uh, so I just want to emphasize as we move on. So I've got about three, three or four main scriptures we're going to look at, and uh, hopefully we cover it. We, uh, right. So the first thing to say is that uh, in Luke 16 verse 19, and it says this, as we read last time. So I'll just read to where we left off. And it says, There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fed sumptuously. I love that word, sumptuously. Every day. So he fed sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was, so it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torment in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he, cried, then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus, Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. Praise God. We just... Honor God's holy word. Yes, so the, the, the homework was to compare and contrast, which is an often examination question, to compare and contrast. So we started, and the thing that uh, we noticed straight away in, in verse 19, it says there was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and, and fed sumptuously every day. Now, we noticed that the rich man didn't have a name, and I gave an indication that uh, to be clothed in purple, 
uh, in fact, I don't, I don't think I gave it uh, uh, enough emphasis. Now, if you take yourself back, this is Jesus speaking to the time. So, anybody clothed in purple, they immediately knew the class of person that they were talking about. Because in those days, Julius Caesar restricted the, the wearing of purple. I see there's some people wearing purple in, in the congregation. You would not be allowed. In those days, you would not be allowed because it was restricted to royalty and people of high standing. So Julius Caesar uh, uh, forbade anybody other than in very high elite realm to wear purple. And the reason, not the reason, it was just an elitist thing. And it carried down from Augustus. And the, the dye came from a, a, a sea snail that required 12,000 uh, snails, because they had this uh, uh, gland, 12,000 snails just to get a purple band on, on their toga. So nobody could afford, and even if you could, unless you were in the, the class that could wear purple, you'd, you'd be declaring that you're a governor of some, of some authority, probably a threat to the governor of that place. So that's how, that, so as soon as Jesus said there was a certain man who was clothed in purple, and fine linen, as I said, fine linen, someone said the linen came from Egypt and was weight, it, was, it was worth its weight in gold. Mind you, linen is quite thin, but it's, <laughs> it's worth its weight in gold. So immediately, the, li the listeners thought, uh-huh, we understand what type of man we're talking about. But there was a certain beggar whose name was Lazarus, which is Lazarus full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, dogs came and licked his sores. And as we said that last week, we, we understood, first of all, that there was no mention of, we, we heard mention of the rich man's clothes, there was no mention of the beggar's clothes. But we can imagine. Uh, we also, uh, it says that, um, that he was covered with sores. And I'm, I am going to be a bit gross here because uh, uh, there is a point to it. So, in those days, there was no NHS. And if you could not afford any, any treatment, then the sores would just get worse and worse. And you can imagine it became ulcerous. That's when your body cannot repair itself. So I am going to be a bit gross, but there's a reason for it. You can imagine it was just oozing. It was oozing, smelly, disgusting. And this man, because we don't know, we, we, we're going to have to sort of fill in some of the gaps. This man, it says he was carried to the gate. So maybe he had friends or family, but he was brought, presumably every day, to the, man's, to the rich man's gate. 
And it says, moreover, another version it says, uh, oh, that dogs licked his sores. And I said last week, I, I imagine that in those days, to have to be associated with dogs is to actually say, oh my gosh, even dogs, even dogs was licking his sores. But the licking of sores was a comfort to him. Because, as I said last week, the, t the dog's tongue had some sort of antiseptic, uh, soothing. So that was his company. And I imagine, I'm just imagining, if that didn't happen, then there'd be maggots. Yes, I'm being gross. Because oh, I want you to understand how bad this person was. His situation. And... We hear that, it says, verse 22, and it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. Now, as I said last week, does it mean if you are poor, you automatically get to heaven? Obviously not. Does it mean if you're rich, you automatically go to hell? Obviously not. So, what was it that Lazarus did in order to go to heaven? Now, the first thing was that, as we'll show in a, in a few more scriptures, that he must have been praying. He must have been praying. Because he even says, it says, he was desiring even for the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. So, each day he was, he was being brought and maybe he was praying, Father, or not Father in those days, this is the Old Testament. He would say, God, almighty God, let me just have a crumb from the rich man's table. Every day he was probably praying. And guess what? Apart, and praying for his, his, uh, his healing. Praying for his situation to change. But it never changed. I mean, to understand this, he was praying all this time and his situation did not change. And apparently, you would assume, he never became bitter. Now, today we have this, uh, uh, if we do not get what we want within a certain time, we're taking God to court. We're bringing him and saying, you said this. But I'm saying, Lazarus suffered his whole life in misery. Now, I have, I have uh, people I know that have a skin complaint. And to sleep, to actually get a night's sleep is a luxury. It's like uh, when I was reading about Job and being tormented, uh, trying to sleep, I remembered that person because for him... Or her. <laughs> to sleep was a luxury. It was a blessing. Now. The reason I went a bit gross on this uh, uh, Lazarus, Lazarus the beggar. Is that this is Jesus's clientele. The, the sores, the smell. Because when you imagine 
Jesus was in the house and all the sick came to him. All the sick came to him. And the sights and the smell that might have been in that house or in that place is horrifying. Pus all over the place. Uh, 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 disease that uh, you, you have to imagine that Satan had 400 years to inflict because before that, the last word from God was uh, Malachi. And the next word from God was John, John the Baptist. God was silent for 400 years. So Satan had time to do his worst. So the kind of sickness and disease, it's only imaginable. Now, so Lazarus, the beggar, was Jesus' clientele. So we have got to start to understand when we say we want to be like Jesus, it isn't the three-piece suit type sinner. It's the one that everybody has rejected. Now, let's shift to the rich man, because we'll come to the rich man. Now, he said, in, in my version, it says, as I come across the word, I, 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 I like practicing it, that he fared sumptuously every day. Now, that means, the sumptuous means that he, he, he ate to his heart content. There was nothing that he withheld himself from. Every day, he was eating like a don't. I mean, he must have been fat. There's no way you can be eating this kind of thing every day and not be fat. But he clearly, he did. Uh, okay, we will find out later that he knew the name of Lazarus. Because in Hades, he recognized him and he says to Abraham, Father Abram, send Lazarus to dip his finger in water. So he knew Lazarus. Now, sometimes in spiritual realms, you, you know things that you wouldn't normally know. But we can assume he, he knew Lazarus. And, and interestingly, he, he might have made excuses why he shouldn't feed Lazarus. Because remember, this is a, a beggar full of sores outside his mansion. I was thinking, my gosh, this is bringing the neighborhood down. I mean, why can't he just go? You know, I mean, having this, this beggar, if I feed him, it'll just encourage him. You know, all the, all the reasons. And he may have even gone through uh, his, his uh, background, invented a, a background for him. Ah, uh, uh, he's probably, he deserves it. Or he's probably, he lost his job because he's probably a thief. Or he, he, he probably invented a background in order not to feed or, or only give Lazarus crumbs. It was within his power to invite Lazarus into his house and feed him. He wouldn't miss it. I mean, he fed sumptuously. I mean, everything that man could buy, whatever, his table must have been... I mean, even the things falling to the ground, poor Lazarus would have said, oh, let me have that. Now, why am I laboring that? It is the same way we invent a background 
for the beggars that we see on our way to work, from church, etc. We see someone and we're no longer moved by compassion because we've invented the background. Now, do you think that when they were at school, they went round and they said, okay, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a beggar. I want to be spat on. I want to be insulted. I want to uh, be hungry every day. I want not to be able to eat and don't know where I'm going to eat the next day. Do you think they, they had, that was their career decision? Or the woman, because we don't see many women beggars in Europe or here. But do you think the woman who is a beggar or has five children being battered uh, 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 on, have five children from three different men uh, in a house where the man that they're with now, every time he comes in, is going to batter her. When she was a, a young girl, what do you want to do? Oh, I want to, I want to get married twice. I want to have three men for, and three different children. I want to be battered. I want to be thought of as scum. I want, I want everybody to look down at me and the church people step over me as they go to church. Oh, that's what I want. No. Something happened. There is a history. There's a background. There's a person behind the beggar. There's a person behind the single parent that has three children being rejected, etc., etc. We as Christians have to now look, be look beyond what we're presented. Because if, if you saw Lazarus, the beggar, full of sores, oozing pus. I'm trying to be gross because I want you to understand what this man was like. From head to foot, uh, oozing pus. Hardly skin and bones. And he says, can you? You pass on by. No, we pass on by. Not you. We pass on by. Because we have created a background for that person. Because the person is no longer a human being. He is something else. Because if we, if we take him as a human being our defense mechanism has to go down. Now, I'll just end, uh, not end, but I'll just say this. And I'm going to spoil a few people's theology, but somebody had to come along in my life and spoil my theology at the time in order to be where I am today. So we're going to spoil a few. So what we have is, just remember, Jesus gives no indication in verse 19, that the rich man has done anything corrupt. He doesn't say there was a certain corrupt rich man. He simply says there was a certain rich man. All right? So he, we don't, there's no indication that he was a publican or a, a thief or a robber, etc. He just happened to be rich. So why? Why possibly was this man in hell? Let's look at a few verses. So what we're going to look at, because there's a few, a few things that we need to know. People, 
Let's look at, uh, I'm going to stay mostly in Luke. So let's Luke 12, 15. And uh, again, uh, because we have so many Bible scholars, I'll just tell you what it is, and you'll, most of you probably know. And it's the, what they call the foolish, the wealthy fool. So Luke 15, verse, oh, sorry, Luke 12, verse 15. Okay. Okay. Sometimes you have too many references, and here we are. Okay. Yes. So, uh, again, I hope we, we know the story. Um, Jesus, again, starts in verse 11, uh, 15, 12. Sorry, I keep doing that. It's 12, 15. Sorry, it's me. me. There we go. That's what we're looking for. Okay. Verse 15, it says, oh, first of all, it says, 16, uh, 15 says this. And he said to them, take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, the ground of a rich man yielded plentiful. And he thought within himself, saying, what shall I do? Do since I have no room to store my crops. So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and I will build greater. And there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. In other words, hey, I finally made it. Now, now's the time, all that hard work, I can now relax and just enjoy life. And what does Jesus, uh, what does God says? He says, but God said to him, fool, this very night, oh, sorry, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will these, those things which you have provided? 21, the key thing. So it is. He who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. God was not bothered whether you were rich. God was bothered your attitude to him. So, okay, you may think, okay, maybe that's why the rich man went to, to, went to hell. Let's look at another one. This is now uh, Luke 18, 18. This is the young rich man. This is a good man. Luke 18, 18. Because what, what I'm going to show is that if you seriously look at, especially the New Testament, about being rich, there is not a lot of positive scriptures about seeking to be rich. And... And I, I will get to the punchline in this, but I just want to lay some foundations down that the idea, because it was Old Testament, that uh, an indication of God's blessing was to be rich. But in the New Testament, it doesn't teach that, as, we, as we'll see in a few minutes. Okay, now, uh, Luke 18, 18. And this is Jesus again. Uh, uh, he says this. Now... A certain ruler 
asked him, saying, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? There is no one is good but one, that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witnesses. Honor your father and your mother. And he said, all these things I have kept from my youth. So when Jesus heard these things, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. But when he heard this, he became very sorrowful. For he was very rich. All right, not just rich. He was very rich. And when Jesus saw that he, that he became very sorrowful, he said, How hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And those who heard it said, who then can be saved? But he said, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Now, let me be quite frank. Sometimes you go through things and you miss the point. Let's go at the end and see what Jesus is saying. Verse 27, he says, oh, verse 25 first, he says, for it, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of an eedle, a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And 27 says, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. In other words, what, Jesus, what God is saying, Jesus is saying, it is almost, it is almost impossible for a rich man to get into heaven. That's what he's saying, because it requires a supernatural happening. I don't know how many times you've seen camels going through uh, uh, needles' eyes, but I haven't yet seen one. So, so if you've seen that, then okay, fair enough. I'll, 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 but, but that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying that for a rich man to get into heaven... It is, it is literally impossible for a rich man to get into heaven. But he's also saying this. He says, what is impossible? So in other words, if you're doing it by yourself to get into heaven and rich, you're not going to make it. Let me just be blunt so that there is no ambiguity. You're not going to make it. Unless you have the grace of God... That can make the impossible possible. To allow you to have your riches and it not have you. Because that has been the biggest problem. And when we start to look at some scriptures now, we understand why if we are pursuing rich to be rich. Let me just get a few scriptures. I'm, I, I, I know I'm going to be upsetting a few people, but I was once upset when somebody came and blew away my doctrine about something and I was free. Now, this is what the New Testament says about, about uh, riches or 
But, I, but there is an answer, so don't worry. I'm not, I'm not saying that, I'm not preaching poverty or anything like that, but I'm just putting rich, desire to be rich in its proper place, and then you understand how you can be rich and operate on a level that God can actually bless you. Okay, but let me just take this. 1 Timothy 6 speaks a lot about riches. So 1 Timothy 6, I'll start with 9. It says, But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish, harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. Verse 10. For the love of money, now we're not saying money, we all know, the love of money is a, is a root of all kinds of evil, for which, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Now, when the, uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying because I'm not, I'll show you that there is a way of actually being rich, but you can see how God sees people who are rich and, and, and he blesses them and, uh, and it's almost like saying they have the right attitude. The rich man, the, the rich one we just talked about in Luke 18, 18, was a good man. Jesus, he says, what can, I, what can I do to enter the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus said, you know, these are the commandments. And he said, these things I have done since I was a child, a youth. So he was a good man. He wasn't one of those ones, whatever. It was a good man. But during the course, it sounds as if he's a man who was a young man that was birth or, or born into wealth. Because he said he was very rich. And Jesus looked at him. And in Matthew it says, and loved him. And said, sell. He didn't say give away. He said, sell what all that you have. Distribute them to the poor. Follow. No, he says, uh, and then you will have treasures in heaven. And follow me. Now, God has given this young man an opportunity to be an agent of God's blessing. He, was going, he asked him to sell them so that if he does, he's to sell them, to get the money. Now, I love Pastor Wolf's attitude. His attitude is, if you have money to build a, a hospital... In your village or anything. You don't need to pray anymore. The amount of people who say, Oh, God bless Pastor, uh, Pastor Wolf. Oh, God bless the, the amount of blessings that will be poured out on the person who's provided schooling, provided uh, a scholarship, provided medication. The blessing. I love that attitude. So this rich man... The, uh, uh, the rich is a good man, but he, the, the money had him. He didn't have the money. He wanted Christ, 
But he was saying, he was saying, uh, money cries, money cries. Mm. I think I'll have to take the money. He was a good man. He, were, he went to Jesus deliberately. What can I do to have eternal life? But the price was to, and Jesus isn't saying become a pauper. But he was now going to move into another level where he was going to be blessed by sowing seeds. He'd probably get blessed more. And to move around with Jesus. What an offer. He's saying, follow me. Follow me. Learn of me. That's how you're going to get into the kingdom of heaven. And just my final one from Timothy. And then I'm going to give you some answers so that those who feel that I've, 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 I've stolen their idea of riches... There is, a, there is a way of doing it, but... So, 1 Timothy 6, 8 says, Now godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having good food and clothing, with these we shall be content. Now you're thinking, hmm, that doesn't sound like I'm going to be rich. <laughs> I don't think I, Pastor Rick, I don't think I like that one. <laughs> where's, the, where's, the, where's the money part? <laughs> Contented with food and clothing? I mean, anybody can do that. I mean, praise God. I've got that now and I'm still not happy. Uh, Pastor Rick, I, 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 I don't think I'm going to listen to this anymore. Right. I've got two things um, to, to cover and then we're going to deal with because you may be thinking what's that got to do with crumbs that fall from the table the first thing is first is this the way to know and to be able to handle riches and it not get you into not turn you into the type of person that's going to hell is our old friend Job our old friend Job although even he succumbed to pride. But he, this, is, this, is, this is Job 31. This is him. Now he was boasting, but this is his attitude. And you could see his attitude. And it said, verse 31, it says, I've made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I look upon a young woman? For what is allotted of God from above? And I'm going to move quickly on. It says, as, let, this is him speaking to him. Let, let me be weighed on honest scales. That God may know my integrity. If my steps have turned from the way. Or my heart have walked after, uh, walked after my eye. If my heart has walked after my eyes. Or if... Any spot adhered to my hands. Right, let me just move on to there. Right. Uh, yes, okay, let's move there. Verse 13, it says, this is uh, Job 31, 13. If I have despised the cause of a male or female servant, uh, when they have complained against me, then what shall I do when God rises up when he punishes how shall I answer um, 
uh, oh, this is a good one. It says, did not he who made me in the womb make them? Did he not have the same one fashion in the womb? I'll just quickly do here. Some of us have come from backgrounds where we're used to having servants. Some of us are going to go back and going to have servants. The way we treat the housemaid, God is looking. It is somebody else's daughter. It is somebody else's child. She's, she is not the scum at the bottom of your foot. I, I look in horror how some of us Christians treat people who we have authority over. It's a disgrace. And God is watching. And Job said about his maid, he says, are we not from the same womb? Are we not made from the same fashion? So he's saying, I may be rich, but I'm conscious that I serve a God and he's watching me. And we ourselves who say we are Christians, need to understand just because we are rich now doesn't make that person any less of a person. Okay, let's go on. If, 16, if I have kept the poor from their desire or caused the eye of the widow to fail or eaten my morsel by myself so that the fatherless could not eat it, but from my youth I have reared him as a father, and from, uh, and from my mother's womb I have guided the widow. If I have seen anyone perish for lack of clothing, or any poor man without covering, if my heart has not blessed, if my heart has not blessed me, and if he has not warmed with the fleece of my sheep, if I have raised my hands against the fatherless, when I saw I had help in the gate, then let my arm fall off from its socket. And then it goes on. The punchline is this. God, if you are the type of person that is giving, that has compassion to the poor, the word of God says, he that giveth to the poor, giveth unto God. So, if you, and God was dealing with his pride, but God also multiplied the wealth that he had before because he could be trusted. Now, so if we are saying we want to be rich, maybe God is holding back because he knows it would kill us. Because he knows it would take us to hell. Because our attitude to wealth is because wealth is a relative thing. You may not think that you're, you're rich, but this is where we say the crumbs that fall from our table. So let's just get a few, few scriptures here or, or, or examples. Take food. We are fasting and, and praying, many of us. And sometimes we're, when we haven't done it for a while, not eating for a while is painful. Welcome to somebody's lifestyle. You've just entered into someone's lifestyle. Where eating, uh, eating twice, three times a week is a luxury. When we, when we uh, uh, there are people 
who are, are, who are running away from uh, persecution, they get to France, and I don't know, because you're, I mean, let's be fair, they call them economic migrants. Well, the majority of people, I mean, they're, I mean, most of us are here, or our parents are here, because it was better here, or thought it was better here. Economic migrants is a part of life. Everybody wants to do better. I was brought up in Birmingham. I came to London because I was, a, I was an economic migrant, or refugee, or whatever you want to call it. I was looking for a job. So, people are risking their life. Now, this I don't quite understand. I mean, I, don't, I haven't looked up what France is like. But they are, they are in France. They can apply for asylum. But whether they have family here or people are telling them lies, that they are prepared to risk their life, pay big money to these uh, 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 smugglers to get over to Britain. Risking their life. And we wake up in the morning and we go, praise God. Nobody is hunting us down. Nobody to eat. We open our cupboards and we choose. This is somebody's prayer. If they got an answer to the prayer, just a crumb that falls from our table, they'd be jumping up and down saying, giving testimony. God has answered my prayer. God, someone's praying for a bicycle. And if they get it, it's, it's, on, it's on YouTube. I fasted for 30 days for this bicycle and God has given it me. I, I watched some programs in uh, uh, South Africa uh, where people from the southern part of, uh, of Africa go into South Africa. And one of the things they say, oh, South Africa, all the roads are, all the roads are, are tarmacked, where I come from, oh, my, my, there is no, no tarmacking. I, I remember going one time, uh, uh, past, I used to go with Pastor William to various places, and some of the places were rugged. And coming back to Britain and having pavement, it was like, woo, this is beautiful. Glory to God, this is really nice. The crumbs. The things we take for granted. Somebody is fasting and praying, just desiring the crumbs that we take for granted that come to our table. They, uh, you remember what it was like. Some of us remember what it was like. Free education. Free education. Where you can choose your curriculum. I mean, I'm old enough, this may shock some of young people, I'm old enough to be here when they actually paid you a grant to go to uni. They actually paid you. In fact, during those times, that was the richest times I had been because I had money left over at the end of the term. It's like, I look at my account again, Woo! glory to God. They used to pay us pay grant you don't have to pay back a grant to go to uni it's not so it's not so now but free education you can choose what you want to be we don't want to go, go down that way waking up healthy waking up 
at all, praise God. The millionaires would give all that they had if they could buy one extra week. If death could, ne- be, could be negotiated, I've come, your time is now. Can we talk about it? How much, how much, how much, how much you got? I got 10 billion. I'll take the 10 billion deal. Water. Some of the places you see, we, I mean, some of the places we who come from villages, we know we had to go to the village, go to the, the river and carry water in the morning and at evening. Now we, in fact, now we open the tap, we go, ugh, London water, ugh, disgusting. Have we forgotten where we've come from? Do we, do we not praise God? These things that we've taken for granted. People are praying. Just to be able to say, wow, I don't have to go to the village and back. People are praying for plumbing to get into their village. The things that, that, that we take for granted. Good mental health. I remember when I used to go to work, and this is my last point. I uh, uh, used to go to work, and I saw a a father with his child, um, probably what they call um, uh, can't remember there, autism. Autism. That's right, autistic. And I can see him at the front, just saying, "Oh, don't worry, don't worry," because a few times he kicked off, and. You can see the man, I don't know, I've seen him over the years, and he's aged. And I really felt sorry for him. He's aged. Because you can see that his whole life evolves around this child. Taking him to school or taking him where he was, and when he kicked off, you just saw that the embarrassment, he's just thinking, you know, please, 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 please. We have children who are talented, blessed beyond measure compared with other people even in in this society and we're fussing we some who are married that husband that you're saying huh that husband there is a woman waiting praying saying hey give me him the one you don't want give me him that that wife that you're fussing over saying saying well there is men who are looking and saying, you don't want her? Bring her. Bring her, come. Bring her. I'll have her. There are things that we have that people are crying. Uh, uh, Even Christians crying just to have the crumbs that fall from my table. Crying. We need to worship the God that we serve. And understand the blessedness that we have. And what am I saying? We are rich relatively. But what are we doing? Because Cornelius was recommended. He was said, Cornelius, Acts chapter 10. It says, Cornelius, your prayers and your arms have come up 
like a sweet smelling savior. God is not interested in, you can't impress God with the amount, but you can impress God with the heart that it's given. Now, if you want to know how to move where God will always bless you, it is who, I, I ask myself some what ifs, and I, I have to end it this. When I die, how many widows are going to weep? How many fatherless are going to cry? How many people are going to, are going to weep because I'm dead? Because whilst I was alive, how many people did I have an impact that is wealth. And that's what God's interested in, in people that are looking. Because I saw a video, I keep saying I'm going to go, I saw a video that was sent to me when it was a pastor. It's, it's been repeated a number of times. Obviously a wealthy pastor. He got down, he saw a, a taxi man whose car had broken up and what have you. And he, he, he ministered to the person. And as soon as he said that, I went, yes, something Simon said, yes, that's what Jesus would do. You cannot protect yourself from compassion. You can't, if you're insulating yourself, you're not being like Jesus. You need, you have to be able to be moved by compassion. And you may not think, we may not think that we're rich. There are things, richness is relative, but if we are not training now, if you're not doing what you need to do now, don't tell me that when you're rich and you have your, your heliport and you, you take your helicopter to the, air, to the airport to fly your plane, that you're going to still find time to, to pay or to, to take any notice of the poor. You're not. You are you now. And whatever you are now, you'll be when you're rich. In Jesus' name, amen.